Hi, and welcome to episode 58 of No Crying in Baseball. It's Thanksgiving week, and I'm thankful for my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. I'm thankful as well for you, for our podcast, and a happy Tofurky Day to everybody. <laughs> That's optional. I'm just putting it out there. Um, I want to report that Potty Mouth and I did pretty darn well with the big awards this past week. I went seven for eight. Potty Mouth went six for eight. But the important thing is between us, at least one of us got every award prediction correct. Hey, that's good. So podcast as a whole did very well. We did well. So you you should put money on us next time. I'm sure of it. Hey, you know, speaking of the awards, my favorite MVP, I had to watch that one live. So we actually had the computer set up on the dining room table while we were eating dinner. And I knew it was going to be Parenting win, Beth. that's oh, for sure. Totally. Yeah. And you know our kids. She wasn't really thrilled about it, mm. except for there was a little bit of, of something for everybody with this one because Pookie, Mookie Betts, was holding his like week old, nine day old, something like that, newborn baby through the whole thing. And her name came out. When we talked about this last week, I did not know her name. And he said it for the first time, I think, publicly at that time, that it's Kinley Ivory. She she was uh, pretty chill. <laughs> That's lovely. I still like Princess Pookie, but maybe that yeah. can just be her nickname for Players Weekend. I, that's totally true. She needs a shirt that says that. She was a, a totally chill baby, though. As soon as when MVP was announced and everybody around him screamed, she stayed sleeping through the whole thing. I think that even a week or two old, she already knew that it was a done deal. And so she wasn't really surprised. But she's like, yeah, wake me up when there's something new happening yeah. here that I'm not already aware of. Today, we're going to talk about a couple of things, including the opportunity for Potty Mouth to say Zoom Zoom for one of the possibly final times this calendar year. Okay. Maybe. 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 Weirdly, I'm going to talk about the Red Sox briefly as a way to talk about women's hockey. You didn't see that coming, did you? We're going to talk about some good news and some bad news for women executives in Major League Baseball. The best football rumor of all time, or at least of today. We're going to introduce our new boyfriend segment for the coming year. All new boyfriends all the time. And I think we've got lots to tell you about. So what about Zoom Zoom? Zoom Zoom. I've got to say Zoom Zoom Stadium is the best. I had not been actually watching the games in Japan, this all-star Japan series that we talked about last week. And last week I said, you know, I've missed the first few games in the Tokyo Dome. I've got to get up for Zoom Zoom Stadium. And I did. I made it. There's evidence on Twitter. I tweeted as soon as I could on that Tuesday game. I kind of fucked up the the days of the week last week when I was talking about this because they played three games, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, after we had recorded. I talked about just two, but the first one was at Zoom Zoom Stadium, and then the other two after that were at the Nagoya Dome. There was so much cool about Zoom Zoom Stadium. First of all, it's not a dome. It's a beautiful stadium in the outdoors, so we had none of those issues we were talking about last week with Juan Soto skying it into the dome. And it it was a great game, except for the MLB All-Stars losing at the end, but I didn't see that conveniently. I did get up for the first pitch, and I watched the first seven or so innings, and then I had to go to work, and that's when things tanked. Well, that's kind of what Mr. Potty Mouth said as a good algorithm for you know, when there's a late night game and your team is tied, go to sleep while while everything is tied and you won't feel bad about it because either you'll wake up, find out your team won, or you'll miss the bad news. So it's kind of like going to work when your team is ahead, right? Yeah. And it still I, feels I, good. I, I did two for two on that. So I did that on Wednesday. Same result. The Japanese pitching was really amazing and they were really good at small ball. There was a lot of stealing. There was a lot of advancing the runner. 
And they were just tenacious, and the comebacks were impressive. So, I mean, beautiful to see, sad for our guys. I did get to see Yari Marlina the second day. He did not play at Zoom Zoom, so that's what inspired me to wake up one more morning. And then the third morning, I caught the end of the game instead of the beginning of the game. One interesting development has to do with our uh, trend and interest in looking at facial hair patterns. So there is another ginger beard reliever who I did not know. They're everywhere. Why, it, why do they all have ginger beards? I didn't think there were that many gingers like in the world. And they're all apparently Major League Baseball relievers, relief pitchers. I, I really do need to do the research on this because we love uh, Doolittle here in D.C. And I, my love for Kimbrel, who's been in Boston for a while, but who knows what's going to happen with him. And we also have John Brebia, who is known for growing his beard through the season. So he shaves when the season's over, and then he doesn't. I don't know if he just shaves once or if he shaves a couple times off the offseason, but he does not shave through the baseball season. So we don't know when the reset is, when he's actually, okay, here's my season. Now he plays with the Cardinals, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so exactly there. So there was a lot of talk because he was going to this Japan All-Star. So when does the beard shave happen? Because it usually happens right at the end of the season. Is he going to do it before Japan, after Japan? So he gets to Japan and the beard's still there. So people think it's going to happen after. Can I just pause and say I'm appre- I appreciate that other people are obsessed with baseball facial hair and it's not just us? This one is definitely hard to ignore. <laughs> I think he really put it out there because somewhere... In the middle of one of the games, it was before one game that he had already pitched in one, people noticed that he did this weird pattern shaving where he cut off a couple of the midsections of each side and trimmed the bottom. So it was a step. And then there was another game where it got a little bit shorter. But the final look is the one that just kind of boggles because he shaved everything except for these tufts on either side. And it's like the Yosemite Sam whiskers, but without <laughs> the rest of it going on. Like without just the beard that in the part. middle? Yeah, yeah, just the part that hangs down. I'll, I'll definitely post a link to this because you got to see it to really appreciate it. And it's unfortunate that he's probably going to start growing things back before <laughs> spring training, because if you remember, they do like school pictures towards the end of spring training. And whatever you look like then is the image that's going to be put up on Jumbotron for the whole rest of the season. And that's what happened to Danny Espinosa a couple of years ago. He had this giant handlebar mustache and then it was gone. But everybody laughed in the away stadiums. How weird is this? I am voluntarily talking about the Red Sox. Yay! I'm totally for this. (laughs) This is me, Patty, not Potty Mouth, talking about the Red Sox. But I'm using it as a way to talk about women's hockey. So that, I think, makes more sense to everyone. The Red Sox, you may have heard, won the World Series. Yeah, yeah, they did. You noticed that. They brought the trophy yesterday to the Boston Pride hockey game. The Boston Pride is part of the National Women's Hockey League. So hooray for men's professional sports doing things to bring attention to women's professional sports. Hooray for that. In hockey, they don't have a ceremonial first pitch, but they have a ceremonial first puck drop. So they had Raquel Ferrier. Ferreira? Ferreira. Ferreira, Uh who was just promoted within the Red Sox organization to senior vice president for major and minor league operations due to the puck drop. So many things to love about the Red Sox. How cool is that? We have got to talk to her. I really think we need to look for her. She has been in the Red Sox organization for 20 years. One thing I read said, oh, yeah, since before um, Alex Cora's first season as a player. (laughs) She started as an administrative assistant. (laughs) 
And her sort of nickname title is Team Mom, which is kind of like, kind of nice and kind of like, ew, but she really does sort of take care and has taken care of players' needs. Like these guys come in when they're 17 and 18 years old and they don't know how to rent an apartment or get insurance or do any of those things. And so she's she knows like every player in the minor league and major league organization because she kind of helps them with the entry point into the into the major leagues, including she runs sort of the, um, the immigration program for players coming into the United States to play major league baseball or minor league baseball for the Red Sox. So she has a pretty cool job and has been She's kind of developed her own job over 20 years in the organization. So she is a success story. That is pretty awesome. The bad news in women in Major League Baseball is the other thing that happened this week is Lorena Martin, who was hired by the Seattle Mariners as the director of high performance in October of 2017. This is a new position they created. They spent a year or two developing this position, and it was someone at a high level to oversee training conditioning, and injury prevention. She came from a background with the Lakers. She has degrees in all of the things that are appropriate to these um, different job areas, these different responsibilities. She's Latina. I mean, she checked all the boxes, right? She's an incredible diversity hire, and she was very well qualified for all this stuff. She was fired last month. No one is saying why she was fired on the record, because you don't talk about those things generally. Interestingly, this has turned into a, a she said, they said issue right now. She is now accusing the general manager of the Mariners, Jerry DePoto, the manager, Scott Service and, Service, and the director of player development, Andy McKay, of racist and sexist remarks and actions. And she's got a whole list of them. It's not she's, just a couple of things. And they're not just about her. They're about things that she mm-hmm. witnessed, like they fired a couple of Latino trainers, and she doesn't see the, any cause there other than the fact that they're Latino. She has heard them say terrible things about Latino players and managers, saying they're lazy, they're stupid, horrible things. Um, the management, the executives have said that this all came out after she was fired. So she's just, you know, it's just bad blood. She's pissed there. But she is maintaining that she reported these things to HR all along. So it's they said, she said, Major League Baseball is going to investigate the stuff. But they, they referred to her as like a, a, a cocky Latina. Um, they wouldn't let her into a player meeting in spring training that was in the clubhouse and they flat out said because you're a woman it's not like these guys were in states of undress in there they were just having a meeting in the clubhouse and they didn't let her in this is what she said they're saying the opposite we don't know but it's fascinating it'll be really interesting to see who else makes statements on this because there are witnesses to a lot of these events so we've got to hear from them yeah, we will um, We will keep an eye on this because it's kind of horrible and fascinating all at the same time. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to say about women in Major League Sports is my favorite rumor of the day that was promoted first thing this morning and already disproved before we came to record, but it's the best thing ever. I am a Cleveland girl. My daughter and I have pinky promised to be Cleveland Browns fans this year because they actually won a couple games. So woohoo, we're going to get behind that. A rumor was spread by someone from ESPN. This rumor got picked That's up. That's where it started. By oh The Guardian. God. It got picked up by Fox News, by by like news stations like who couldn't prove it wrong said that the Cleveland Browns were going to interview former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. I'm totally for that. But wait, let's go. But for what job? For the head coach. 
Right? She's a Browns fan. Why not? She's a smart woman. Mm-hmm. She's got business sense. She knows sports. I mean, she's been involved in um, in, in basketball, in, um, in college football, a lot of interesting sort of management business positions. But coach? Come on. So finally, right before we before we started recording, the Cleveland Browns and Condoleezza Rice came up with a statement saying, uh-uh. The Browns general manager said, we admire Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> she's a very accomplished, well-educated woman, and she's a Browns fan. I enjoyed meeting her for the first time last year. We are considering many people for the head coach position. She's not one of them. Although the corollary to that is it wouldn't be out of bounds to consider her for, oh, I don't know, commissioner of football. That would be a job I bet she'd be good at. That sounds like a good plan. It was a very fun rumor while it lasted for a couple of hours today. And to bring <laughs> it back to baseball, my favorite um, Twitter response to that was Lenny Dykstra. You might remember all-star um, outfielder for the Mets and the Phillies recently um caught with drug and um, other terrible crime issues. He's been indicted. Yeah, he said he's not great on the legal front right now. But he said, well, I actually played football in high school. Pick me. Why not? God bless you, Lenny Dykstra. Speaking of picks, we are at the point where we are going to pick our new boyfriends. So what we do on this podcast is we look for those special guys Not just with the mad skills, but they have to have something more. They have to have something outside of the field that makes them special. And what we always say is it's that guy you want to have a beer with. Go to the bar, have a beer with. Nothing creepy about this boyfriend thing. We are women of a certain age. It's like I hang out with my girlfriends. I hang out with my boyfriends. These are the guys I want to hang out with. What we did last season on the offseason is we started from the bottom of the barrel. We worked with the teams with the worst records and then worked our way up. So what we're going to do, once again, is pick two guys a week, one American League, one National League, starting at the bottom of the barrel, working our way up. And here we go. And here we go. So again, the criteria are mad skills, love of the game, and a little something special. This year, because it's our second year doing this, we're allowing ourselves to keep one boyfriend. Only one. Only one for out of, across 30 teams. We get to keep one boyfriend from the previous year, and all the rest have to be new boyfriends. It's killing us dead. But here we go, because we care. Yeah, it's hard. There's some guys that are going to be hard to say goodbye to. But as we look around, there's some guys that it's kind of fun to say hello to. The American League bottom of the barrel, you all know who it is. It's our very close by Baltimore Orioles, who last year had 47 wins and 115 losses. So they have to start doing something. I know they just got a new general manager. They did. And can we just say, when we say bottom of the barrel, we mean numerically. We're not mm-hmm. we're not issuing judgments on their moral compasses or anything like that. It's really about the numbers. They were in last place. Yeah, not yet. Not yet anyway. So my pick for the Orioles, who fulfills the potty mouth standards, which are a little dubious at times. I would go with low. They are low <laughs> standards. The bar in, is low. In certain ways. I think I think there's some unique qualifications here. <laughs> and I want to say that Jonathan VR 
fits all of them. He is almost the perfect potty mouth boyfriend. He's 24 years old. He's from the Dominican Republic. And he's an infielder, which I struggled with last year. So I'm kind of excited about getting an infielder right away. Second base and shortstop. Number one, mom. We love the mom stories. I love the mom stories as a mom. His mom was a power-hitting shortstop softball player. And she's the one who encouraged him to move to shortstop from third base when he was moving to the Brewers. And he regularly consults his mom on advice for playing. So how much cooler can you get for a boyfriend? He was in a slump in 2017, and he called mom, and she was watching him. Noted, actually. She watches him only on television. She can't handle the live scene. She gets too nervous. I can see that. I believe that. Totally. So she she was watching him when he was taking fastballs. And she said, when you miss a fastball, you have your face down. You need to look up. You need to focus more. And somehow it helped out. It got him out of the slump. He started off with the Phillies, went to the Astros when they were not so good, and then the Brewers, and then he went to the O's on the Scope deal, who was your boyfriend last season. So interesting there, he went to the O's for Scope. They got three players. He was the only active one. They had two in the minors. The O's really won out on this deal. After the trade, uh, VR and Scope had the same war. So plus two more prospects, I'm hoping, well, I don't know if I'm hoping this bodes well for the Orioles. I'm hoping that VR does well because he's my boyfriend. (laughs) I never really hope too well of the Orioles. He's got a lot of uh, player stuff going for him. He's a switch hitter. You got to love that kind of versatility. And he's a stealer. So in August and September, at least since August 5th, he had the highest number of steals in in the league. Pretty impressive. So that begs the question. Is he actually going to stay with the O's? Am I going to have this boyfriend? Because they own him until 2020 when he becomes a free agent. They might trade him. I don't know. So I checked off the skills. I checked off the mom. And now I'm going to check off the other potty mouth mark, which is something weirdly unique. The butt tag. So he had this great, great play. Yes, of course. There's a butt involved. 2013. He's a stealer, right? So he's stealing second base, and he slides face first into Brandon Phillips's butt. And the and the freeze frame shot of this, I will definitely share because it's absolutely priceless. And I thought, Brandon Phillips, he was of the Reds then, and this is the part that you guys are going to totally love and cut me off for. Where was Brandon Phillips last seen? He actually was on the Red Sox <laughs> last year, and he got pulled up at the end of the year. He showed up in a game against the Braves, and he hit the game-winning home run to make the Red Sox the only team that came back from a six-run loss over the season. So I get to tie it up with a little bit of Red Sox, and I love Jonathan VR. <laughs> I I am just stunned by the whole butt tag thing, and yet part of me is not at all surprised. It's just yeah. it's, a, it's miraculous how you happen to find these things. Um, quick definition: You said the same war. W-A-R is wins above replacement. Look it up. It's everybody's favorite stat right now. Wins above replacement. My favorite O's is Cedric Mullins. Okay, he's my new boyfriend with the Orioles. He came up last year in August. He is from Greensboro, North Carolina. He was drafted in 2015 in the 13th round. So he's been with the O's organization all of his short baseball life. 
which is kind of cool. So he's he's a homegrown guy, basically. He was the prospect of the year this year for the Orioles, and they voted him the minor league player of the year for the Orioles. That's all pretty cool. What I like about him is um, his debut game. <clears throat> pardon me, his de- debut game in um, in August. He had three hits. He was the first Oriole ever Whoa. to have three hits in his debut game. He started out on a tear. His batting average for the first nine games was 387. That's fascinating and fantastic. Now, you may have heard me say, did I say that he plays center field? That's Wait, that's my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend, I guess. Yeah, so Adam Jones of the Orioles, the, the face of the Orioles, has played center field for many, many years. You may remember that he turned down a trade late this past season because he had that clause in his contract that he could opt out of trades. So he's stuck with the Orioles. The Orioles management had mixed feelings about that. They love him dearly, but they wanted to dump his salary. They needed to trade him to free up that salary. And what they want to do, because clearly they're the bottom of the barrel, we just, we explained that, they need to check, they need to test drive their prospects, their young guys, to see who's going to be on the ground floor of rebuilding this team. So Adam Jones wasn't going to be playing center field anymore. They were going to move him around or they were going to sit him so that they could try, they could test drive these other guys. But he is such a team guy, Adam Jones, your ex-boyfriend, that when Cedric Mullins was going to have his debut in Adam Jones' position of center field. Jones told him, you lead the team out of the dugout. That's the job of the center fielder. You take this and you go with this. And and and, and Cedric Mullins said, he thought he was kidding. They thought he was teasing him. And the other guy said, no, 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 you go. So he led the team out and then admitted, we took the long way around because this was a moment that he really wanted to treasure. So that was pretty cool. Adam Jones is sort of mentoring him a little bit in this position even that's kind of bittersweet but he's rocking it he's looking great after his debut in baltimore they had a an away stand in cleveland and one of my favorite leadoff hitters ever kenny lofton oh wow love kenny lofton so much was at the game when cedric mullins was going to hit leadoff bat leadoff for the very first time came to visit him before the game started. So even though like Kenny Lofton is a Cleveland guy, he went over to the O's dugout, introduced himself to Cedric Mullins and had a chat with him and kind of gave him like a pep talk, gave him a little bit of, you know, veteran advice and all of that. And that makes me super happy. And that was the game in which Cedric Mullins hit his first home run. So perfect for the Patty Mouth baseball boyfriend qualification. That's a huge check. Did That's you just a call sign. it the Patty Mouth? You said the Wait, Patty Mouth. Did I say Patty Mouth? You said Patty Mouth. Oh my I, God. I like that. I think I may oh, have to go with that. I'm going to. Because I had this extra beer on account of the technical difficulties earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Patty. Oh, man. The Patty Mouth. Kenny Lofton in the Patty Mouth. Hey, let's oh, go to shit. the National League. Let's go to the National League. <laughs> Why not? Bottom of the barrel, National League. Not quite as bottom as the O's. Like, that was pretty monumental there. Stop picking on the damn O's. Sorry, I'm going to do it while I can. My kid is named after their ballpark. Back off. And I will definitely happily go to their ballpark as As soon as possible. As soon as possible. (laughs) The Marlins had 63 wins and 98 losses, so they did not break that 100 mark, but they still had that scale tipped in the wrong direction. 
I wasn't sure where to go on this because the obvious one was Real Muto, who is a great catcher, and then Starlin Castro, also a superstar. And I thought, where's the hidden talent on this team? So I consulted our friend Alfredo from Con Las Bases Llenas podcast because he's based in Miami. He knows the Marlins well. And he gave me the name of a couple of prospects. And I said, wait a minute. Are they going to play this year? And he has a strong feeling on this one. So I am taking a risk and I am going with Victor Victor Mesa. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't that a Julie Andrews movie? Victor? Oh, it's Victor Victoria. Never mind. Wait, you said Victor twice. So close. Yes. And I thought that I actually thought that Alfredo typed it twice accidentally. That is actually this guy's name. He's 22 years old. He's from Cuba. He just came over from Cuba. He's an outfielder. And he came over, and the and the Marlins got both of them. Both of who? Him and his brother. His brother is named Victor Mesa Jr., and he's a 17-year-old. pause. Right. Pause. They're both named Victor. Yeah. Okay. So we have Victor Victor Mesa, and we have Victor Mesa Jr. And it just befuddles me that everything that I look up on them doesn't have that as, like, the leading line. Like, <laughs> what's the deal with their name? So I thought... You know, is does the dad have just a big chip on his shoulder? Well, very would that be Victor Senior. Vi- that would be Victor Senior. Very humbling. When I looked up Victor Senior, I kind of understand why these kids have these names. He is a Cuban baseball legend. This guy played Cuban baseball for 19 years. He was known as La Explosión Naranja because his his orange uniform for the club that he played for and his explosive performance. That's the Naranja part, right? The orange is the Naranja. Okay. And the the explosion is the explosion. That one I got. Has a record in Cuban baseball, and I should have looked this up for MLB. He stole home plate nine times. Do people do that? That's not remarkable. That's that is remarkable. He played on the Cuban Olympic team and got a gold medal in 1992. And he managed his old club that he had played for and ended up managing the national team eventually. So I kind of get why he named his sons uh, a lot after himself. And it seems like they're living up to the to the name because uh, Victor Victor Mesa played on the Cuban World Baseball Classic team and he went three for seven. Nice. In his batting. So I'm wondering, it's a risky pick. He said, I looked at some interviews of them. Oh, my God, they were so cute. They're so excited to go to Miami. And uh, and he said, I'm going to work really hard this year so that I can play in this stadium this year. Alfredo thinks he's going to play this year. I, I really hope so. It, it, it shows the Marlin strategy on a couple of levels that I think I understand a little bit better now. I'm actually going to say something nice about Jeter. You know what? Go ahead. I I, I think I'm going to agree with you on this one, too. It's stunning. And yet, here it comes. So Victor Victor Mesa was the number one international free agent prospect. So the Marlins last year, with all their dumping of their people, put all their money into the international pool. They're looking for international players because it's fucking Miami. And we talked about Jeter last year reaching out to the Hispanic population in Miami. And for him to get number one prospect from Cuba, 90 miles away, super smart. And we teased him because the things that we were seeing were, oh, we're going to play more Latin music and things like that. But this is real stuff. He's doing actual strategic smart stuff. And God help us, we're not picking on Derek Jeter this week. Yeah, he's really reaching out to the community. He actually said, we want Miami to be the destination for top international talent. This organization should reflect the diversity 
of the South Florida community. That's going to bring the people to the ballpark. And even these two guys in their really sheepish uh, interview that I saw said, you know, Miami feels like home. It's It's got the culture. It's got the food. It feels comfortable for them. So they're going to this bottom of the barrel team. But let's see. I, I hope we get to see Victor Victor Mesa in the new Marlins Stadium. I'm looking forward to Players Weekend so we can see how um, how Victor Victor and, and Victor Jr. differentiate themselves with their nicknames. That's going to be the only way we're going to be able to tell them. Yeah, Explosion Jr. Explosion. Explosion. <laughs> no, <laughs> with the Marlins, there's a little bit of a news flash. They just introduced new logos, new color schemes, and new uniforms. And a lot of the folks in Miami are like, again? Because they do this a lot. They do this a lot, but they're going. They're they're going all in. Their new hashtag they're using is our colores. So again, they're bracing. They're embracing the 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 Latino community. The um, and their colors. Okay, this is like what what's the catalog from Seinfeld that they they joke at the J. Peterman catalog that they joke about all the color names? Caliente red, Miami blue, midnight black, and slate gray. I gotta say, I really like the new logo with the marlin and the baseball. On my computer screen, it read a little bit pink. And I, when my daughter and I were like, hey, they're leaning into the pink. That's kind of cool because it was kind of fluorescent, mm. right? You said you, you heard that they it looked like someone made it with a light bright? Yeah, that was the most interesting comment that I saw on Twitter, that and, it's a light bright logo. And I think that's a positive, actually. So, <laughs> so I'm all for that. Their regular uniforms are kind of blah, but their alternate uniforms are kind of cool, including the blue ones that apparently are the same color that they're going to paint the outfield walls in the ballpark. So I'm worried that like the outfielders are going to go for a catch and like, disappear against the wall. That could look pretty cool. They're going to have to do something out there because they're moving that damn statue. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So I also, of course, deeply wanted JT Realmuto. So we mm-hmm. may have had to have like a smackdown to pick him. But I firmly believe he's going to get traded because he's like the last player of serious value they've got. Everybody wants a good catcher. Everybody wants him. So... And look what happened to Yelich after he got traded. MVP, not so bad. Not so bad. So it's clearly going to happen with everybody else that gets taken away from <laughs> from the Marlins. So I went with a new guy, Austin Dean. I have a little bit of a caveat about him at the end, but everything I read about him to begin with made me say, yeah, this is the guy. He's 25. He plays left field. He was the fourth round pick in 2012. Um, out of high school. So he's one of the guys that actually went with the team that drafted him in high school, did not go on to college and then like put off the draft till later. Um, he's from Texas, from Spring, Texas. He has played in the minor leagues for most of six seasons. That's a long time, right? They finally brought him up. He came up in August. A lot of people were saying he was probably going to come up to the big leagues in September, but there were a bunch of injuries on the Marlins and they needed him sooner. So he came up. Um, a later call up was was going to be likely because of the rule five draft. Yep, it's a vocabulary lesson. Here it comes. Um, players who were drafted around the age of 18 or younger and have been in playing in the minor leagues for five years or more, if they don't end up on the 40-man roster for the team that, that they're, the organization they're part of at by that time, another team can buy them can just take them away. So teams have to look carefully at their minor league program, who's been there for a long time, and is it important to keep them or not? There is a lot of detail behind this. You can look up Rule 5 Draft for that. But in general, that's what it is. It's guys who have been playing minor league baseball 
since basically they were kids. And now it's like the Fisher cut bait. Ooh, Marlins, Fisher cut bait. Look where I <laughs> went with that. Nice. Awesome. So so Austin Dean was kind of in that position. So he, they were probably going to act on him one way or, or another pretty soon. But they, they ended up calling him up and he absolutely rocked it. He was fine in the minor leagues for all this time. But he credits Derek Jeter. Oh, my God. Oh, it's another shit, nice thing. Again. Another nice thing about Jeter. When the team, when the season started last year, his pep talk was, this is a reset year. We're starting okay. from zero on everything. We don't care what you did in the past. What you do from here on out is what matters. And Austin Dean took that to heart. And he tore up AA and AAA this year. He hit 345 in 109 games in AA and AAA. I found him initially because my buddy, Max Scherzer, who would be my boyfriend if I wasn't afraid of him and if Max, if we allowed ourselves to have pitchers as boyfriends, he was the uh, the victim of Max Scherzer's 300th strikeout this year. So Austin Dean is the answer to the trivia question, What who was Max Scherzer's 300th strikeout in the 2018 season? And Austin was such a good sport about it that he got masking tape and he wrote Mr. 300 on it and stuck it on the back of his jersey. So that right there is boyfriend material. Again, you have that like punch out. This is what qualifies the mm-hmm. patty or patty mouth. Or the patty mouth <laughs> as the case may be. Baseball boyfriend. Yeah, I will say I did. Um, I couldn't find much personal information for, except that he in October pre- proposed to his longtime girlfriend. So he's getting married, which is very sweet. There was an interview with the girlfriend at the time, not the she wasn't the fiance yet, on the day of his call up. And she was in tears the entire time. And she was Aww. being interviewed saying, Oh, so how did you feel? Well, I cried. Well, what did you think? Would, oh, well, I cried then too. Well, what about when he was I cried then too. So I think that there's like a yeah, she's so, it's very sweet. So one that means that we have to keep an eye on that wedding registry to see when it comes up to see if there's appropriate bar barware that perhaps we could gift. Well, I'm, I don't know about that because in, in more of a Twitter review that I did of, of you know his life on social media, which is, is sparse, I'm a little afraid about his politics and his huh. dedication to his religious faith, which isn't a bad thing in general. It's just not normally what I look for in a boyfriend. But the other stuff is really good. So. If I can't have Real Moto because he's going to get traded, I just know he's going to get traded. I'm going to take Austin Dean and we'll see how it goes. I just want to reassure our listeners that we will have pitcher boyfriends. The only thing is that they come in a pack. So it's not like we choose individual pitchers. But at the end of all this picking, we're going to choose a team's worth of pitchers to be our boyfriends. Right. So last year, for instance, I had the Nationals, which was a great idea on paper until everybody got hurt. Yeah, kind of. Huh? Right. Yeah. So there was that. So... Another thing about the boyfriends in general is we're picking them early. So these guys may not end up on those teams. So last year, Potty Mouth and I did have to swap some people out later on because, oh, they're not on that team anymore. So do we follow that boyfriend to the new team and keep him for the new team? Or do we have to pick new boyfriends all around? And ditch him. It got very complicated. Okay. So um, if you weren't clear on this, we make this shit up as we go along. Yeah. Just just hang in with us for the ride. It's going to be fun. You'll learn about a lot of guys that you just didn't know that much about before. And next week, you'll learn about guys from the Kansas City Royals and the San Diego Padres. I'm okay with ditching my Padres boyfriend from last year because he ended up being much more of a video gamer than actually a baseball player. That's that was true. Asuaje, who got there because Asuaje. That was a great name. Favorite name to say, but least favorite guy to talk about, as it turns out. Yeah, Kansas City, that's going to be a lot harder. It's true. 
Until we come back next week, we hope you tell your friends about this podcast. You know, it's Thanksgiving week. you got some vacation days. You're going to be with family. Start a conversation about baseball podcasts and make sure you, you, you drop No Crying in Baseball into that conversation. If you have a chance to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, that's great. That helps other people that you don't even know find our podcast. And you know what? If you go on someplace for Thanksgiving, safe travels. Drive carefully. Drive safely. Talk about baseball over Thanksgiving dinner. And until then, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth.